0: Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is dear friend and academic scholar excellence, uh, Annalise Asher. Hi.
1: Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thank you for being here. I mean, what, this is going to be, I think this more so than any episode we've done so far not to spoil what the topics are going to be but i do think that we're going to give the gays everything they need today
1: i feel really honored that you included me for this particular episode because i know how passionate you are about our subject matter so yes i'm I'm
0: honored see this is like two phds like (laughs) fighting or not fighting but like coming together atop the mountain and Mm. like issuing a call to the world that unleashes an avalanche of both positivity and negativity. I think that's what we're going to do here tonight.
1: I feel like I am—I am the grad student who is TAing for your PhD. You know, like I yeah. feel like I'm still a student compared to you, but I'm no, honored but climbing this mountain with you.
0: I—I—I I, I wouldn't say that at all. I think this is a—this is two professors having maybe, if not on the mountaintop, then having a nice cup of coffee at the okay. end of a long career. We're tired. Okay. We're at the end of our rope, and we're ready. I don't know, Man, My metaphors are just going absolutely bug nuts tonight. Um, I was going to
1: continue with the mountain metaphor and um, bring it back to Miley Cyrus, another queen of pop. But we can, oh, we can like the climb,
0: like, mm-hmm. like the climb. Yeah. Are we at the end of our climb or at the beginning? It might just be the beginning,
1: but it is the climb. It is yeah. the climb. We don't need to define where we are in the climb.
0: Wow. So there, there. This podcast is just stupid, dumb we very rarely achieve a nugget of wisdom that was, that was just proffered forth. And I think this is like, maybe this, there's some cosmic significance here because I'm just now realizing this is the 60th episode, which in and of itself, 60, what do you think about the number 60? Like that's not really an anniversary number, but it no, is but cosmic.
1: Isn't that, okay, I'm, I'm thinking um, anniversaries of Queen Elizabeth. Isn't that her diamond jubilee?
0: It is the diamond jubilee
1: this is your diamond jubilee episode
0: oh wow huh well when you frame it that way I love it I think that's like that's very fiesta party vibes yeah. in a way that like you know the number 60 just looking at it in a vacuum nothing absolutely nothing but you call it you, you bedazzle it literally bedazzle it and that's like beautiful
1: the dazzle like one of queen elizabeth's tiaras
0: yeah <laughs> yeah You're queen like, elizabeth
1: here i'm kate middleton and i'm i'm happy to be here
0: i love um i remember i think it was 2011 when will and kate got married and the queen had maybe it was her diamond jubilee like i remember watching it on cnn though mm-hmm. with my family and i remember the queen going down the um the Thames in a boat that looks suspiciously like one of those like architecture boat tours we have here in Chicago I was like where's the fantasy in all this where's the glamour
1: it felt like a letdown after specifically the carriage ride that Kate Middleton took I have a strong memory of waking up at 4 a.m to go downstairs and watch that
0: we and I were up yeah oh
1: absolutely I got up for that wedding. I also got up for Meghan Markle's. I just, I love getting up early for a royal wedding. And I feel like that moment had just so many magical moments that felt true fantasy that I I wanted the queen to have some of that. I know she's had her own moments, but I want her to have all of those as well.
0: And I mean, I'm not going to be ageist about this. I would never do that on this podcast, but she in and of herself is not a fantastic, a fantastical person at this stage in her life. And I would argue, like, do you watch the crown?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Like she's never been a fantastical person. She's always just been a normal woman.
1: Yes. And I think with modern day and age royalty, with all of the social media and all of the, all of the discussion around it, it's become more of them just being celebrity culture. And I feel like she's trying to, she's lent leaned. leaned leaned more into being just solid yeah so I feel like that's changed over time even as I think more and more about all of the new Diana documentaries coming out it just it just reflects even more on the queen and how much she has just been a stoic presence
0: and I think maybe that's for the best like you look back into fairy tales to fantasies a fantasy never starts with a queen it's it is the is like that's the be all end all almost like we have like culturally glamorized princesses at the expense of hard-working stoic leading the country queens and I'm not talking about queens in a like you go girl sense I'm talking about the position itself
1: yes and I feel like that's the classic it's the matriarch it's the it's the middle-aged women erasure
0: yeah like, we don't want to, I want to hear like, um, like a six style reinvention of all the tertiary Queens from like the, the tales of like Charles Perel and Hans Christian Anderson. Like, let's get that. Like, I don't want to hear about the stepmother and Cinderella. Like, what about the Prince's mom? Like, let's do that.
1: Yeah. The Whoopi Goldberg character in the Brandy. Yes.
0: Says- See, okay. Now yes. we're talking here because that, like that, um, she made a, a mountain out of a molehill with that role. I love the Brandy Cylinder all so much. Like, it's uh, I- iconic.
1: We've discussed this before, but I have a clear memory of getting that in a DVD box set mm-hmm. underneath the Christmas tree one year. That is probably one of my most watched movies of all time. Yeah. I think that was my introduction to Whitney Houston. I, I genuinely Oh, it. no,
0: me too. Like that, because we were- too young we're the same age i think and like we were too young for all of her other stuff at that point like but that was my introduction to so many of those people like brandy herself like bernadette peters who has been a lifelong like enduring fascination from them like i just i like what a great movie i'm glad it's on disney plus again too like we were we have to do our like uh a screening soon
1: I think we could lead that and lead a discussion afterwards pretty well. Um also <laughs> I'll recommend NPR recently, their uh cultural podcast also just covered it once again, just how many years later because it was being uh because it was being released on Netflix, just yeah. to discuss how much everyone loved it across generations. It's a real crowd pleaser. It
0: is a real crowd pleaser and it's just um it's crazy that they they got so many like iconic people in one place for a TV movie to like. And something that's really endured, like, especially people our age, like, I feel like people younger than us never really figured out how to see it because it was only streaming recently and only started streaming recently. But like, I hope that we have like a critical reevaluation.
1: Yeah. Uh, I also think it might be time for a fresh version of Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. Yeah. Like, I think every generation needs their own version of it in the same way that Needs their version of a star is born.
0: Exactly. And it's very interesting that you bring up every generation's version of Cinderella because this is a perfect segue into our first game. Okay. So we are going to play Go Call the Governor. I'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and/or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. No wrong answers but your choice is binary does the governor need to be called or not ready to play
1: ready to play governor
0: all right St- the star of amazon's cinderella camila cabello is replacing kelly clarkson on the voice as a judge for its upcoming 23rd season does the governor need to be called
1: i'll say no because i do not know who is still watching The Voice? Okay.
0: Well, that's that's a good way to frame it because I can't answer that question either. That's not something I've ever really watched, though, I'll be honest.
1: No. And I think I feel like I get the occasional great audition in my Instagram Discover feed. Yeah. Generally entertaining, but I've never watched beyond that. So I can't say that I had any thoughts or opinions on whether Miley was a coach or, um, I think Ariana was for a while yeah. Was for a while. Like I think lots of wonderful queens of pop have have been coaches and I have to say it hasn't really impacted no. my mainstream version of, of
0: pop culture. And I don't think it's getting like Stan's eyes on the screens either. Like I, I think it's just like it's a paycheck. Like these shows are not star makers anymore. Like that's not necessarily new thought either. Like you go back to the American Idol winners and none of them have really made a dent since like I don't know like Philip Phillips 10 years ago oh yeah Scotty McCreary that was like probably around 10 years ago too like that was kind of about it like yeah and the voice is only like I would love to be corrected but I can only think of two voice alums who are like actually famous out of 23 seasons and those are Morgan Wallen who is like and um Melanie Martinez
1: and I'm only peripher- peripherally aware of either of them, but Harry yeah. Underwood, Kelly Clarkson, like those are big names yeah. that have transcended any sort of basis in reality. Television. I mean,
0: Kelly Clarkson is so big that she got to host another singing competition show. Like that's full circle. Um, people were very uh, upset about Camila Cabello getting cast on this show that no one watches though, because at the I think- um, the main objection is that she's not a vocalist herself. Mm. I'm, I'm not, what, what say you about this?
1: So Camila Cabello for me falls into the category of people that I, I choose to not particularly like. And that is the person who broke up the girl or boy group. So I mm-hmm. choose to dislike Zayn. He left first. I can't get behind that kind of behavior.
0: Yeah. yeah. Camila
1: left first. I can't get behind that. Have some loyalty so she's not my favorite um I n- nothing against her nothing against her music
0: she's not well my what about the voice the, the voice
1: of the voice the voice of the voice I think she has just as fine of a voice as several of the other coaches who have been on
0: okay okay is she a better singer than Gwen Stefani
1: wow I'd love to hear your opinions on that first
0: oh okay cool. hmm. So you're, you've put me in an uncomfortable position now, the same one in which I just tried to put you. Um, I if, uh, this is so hard because I would say neither of them have traditionally pleasant voices. Let's say that being said, Gwen, I think it makes better stylistic use of her voice, like doing ska with no doubt perfect use of what she has. Her like bratty pop solo career perfect I'm not convinced that Camila has found the right music for her instrument
1: I think that's fair and she definitely all of her music just strikes me as some producer or Ed Sheeran somewhere wrote a song and we're trying to sell it to Miley or Rihanna and they landed up with Camila that's that's where it ended.
0: I think I think that's oftentimes been the case. Like she definitely is. She's an objectively very famous person, but she definitely is a B tier pop star.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And I don't think she has the vocal talent or training that an Ariana or that no. a Kelly Clarkson has, and that comes through, but. I think her music does affect people in a way similar to Gwen. So I think that's an apt comparison.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I I can, I can get behind all this. I think people just like residually don't like her from um, her leaving Fifth Harmony. Cause the tweets today were, I pulled up one that really made me up one, uh, just like a tremendously rude thing to say about something else. Um, um,
1: I do fall into that category of people though who just choose to dislike her fundamentally because of leaving the tournament and that's
0: fine but you didn't tweet something as rude as this is like giving Plankton a food on, or the oh my god this is like giving Plankton a show on the Food Network
1: a Spongebob reference that's yeah. dark,
0: dark um, someone else said this is like giving Lana Del Rey the chance to compete on Dancing with the Stars like no <laughs> not look people were not being very nice to uh cami cabbie today but and you know on this podcast we have not been very nice to her traditionally either
1: were they uh um, cleaner to her today than they were after her cinderella adaptation on amazon well, okay well
0: good good for you for bringing that full circle because that i think is like that was horrible Every clip I saw from that I was like this is not something that I will be participating in. Like
1: I watched the first 5 minutes and turned it off, which yeah. says a lot.
0: If they had done just a straight up Rodgers and Hammerstein adaptation, prob- it wouldn't have been like great still, but like it wouldn't have been what it was. Like I've I've probably seen like 7 musical numbers from the film and I'm like why do we need any of this? And that like the flash mob promos that they did with like James Corden and stuff in the streets of LA like I had friends who got caught in that like caught in the traffic of that and are scarred to this day
1: I'm scarred by seeing the video so I can't imagine being there in person
0: yeah just like wordless like air humping and like oh god I don't I don't know it, it's very bleak to me I like I, I would like the best for her and that i wish the best for everyone in in hollywood i would like it's a johnny depp like a lot of other people like more power to you but like i don't know she's setting herself up i think with this as someone who is famously critiqued for her voice often time and time again
1: i do think when the job offer came her way this was a great career move for her oh
0: and she's definitely getting paid a ton to do this too like Katy perry makes $40 million a season for American Idol.
1: This feels like the equivalent of um, Broadway stars always wanting to get a TV show because TV shows have very um, consistent filming schedules. It's very much like a nine to five as compared to the eight shows a week of Broadway. Getting to be a judge on a reality television show seems like a much better deal to me than having to record a new record, go on tour, all of the above. So if that option comes your way, absolutely take it
0: yeah i mean it's probably only like in total two months of filming if not maybe a little longer than that but like a lot of those like audition ones the auditions for those shows are really like pre-taped like a long time in advance so that like that does, i then that, that makes economic sense to me so i guess she's getting the bag and people can stay mad but like
1: I also think she's one of those people that people are going to be mad no matter what she does. Oh so yeah, no, forget forgetting the paycheck. You. So I'm going to say no. We don't need to call the governor. Good for her.
0: Good for her. Good for her. Good for her. All right, next uh, topic: big sun hats. Does the governor need to be called?
1: Once again, no. Okay. The ozone is getting thinner. I will. I will do anything to not have to reapply multiple times. Maybe it's chuggy. I don't know. I don't care. It's practical.
0: It is practical. What's your sun hat of choice?
1: At the moment, a baseball hat, which is unfortunate. And I think I need to up my game.
0: Well, that's that's not that bad. I'm talking about those like big, like um, the oh, floppy, yeah. like ripped, rattan. What's the like straw hats? What am I? Yes. Looking, what word am I looking for? Yeah. No,
1: I, I'm picturing Audrey Hepburn in Sabrina
0: yeah yeah yes. that's like the chic version mm-hmm. of it though mm-hmm. like you put two and we talked about this on um friend of the pod allison swimmers episode but like audrey hepburn is like such a chuggy emblem these days almost yes. but you put her in a sun hat even though she's not chuggy herself but like you put her in a sun hat and those two things like the chuginess, cancels it's chic then
1: wow two chuggies make a chic
0: absolutely Absolutely. okay that might be and my goal for yeah
1: wow I'm gonna channel that we've made a I, discovery here
0: I mean like w- basic minimalism and fashion like essentials are like back in fashion I think it's like a reaction like all this like y2k like mid-2000s revivalism and fashion that's going on people are like why can't we just dress like whatever simple so but I don't know I, I like I do like Summer hats are still so, like overplayed, I feel like, in the summer. But I guess you're right. Like, what's the alternative?
1: I think the fear of the sun is sort of trendy right now. So yeah. if you can channel that into a hat, absolutely, there are limits to the size of it that before it gets ridiculous. Yeah. But I think that practicality is very much in keeping with the trends of the day.
0: No, 100%. Like, we, I mean, there's a big trend in menswear right now towards like, I mean, practicality is not the word, like people are like really gravitating towards traditional like workers wear, like Carhartt's having a really big revival right now. Like a lot of people are wearing just like, like, you know, like buying like fishermen gear, essentially. Um, I saw like a lot of gay people at like Fire Island and Provincetown um, last year wearing those like big, like kind of straw hats. But, like they have those toggles. Like the cord toggles, you know what I'm talking about? Like they it's yeah. like Scoutmaster hat almost. But like that's now like it's purposeful, practical, and chic now.
1: And also Rich wore a like worker work workers inspired outfit to the Met.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a that was a cool idea too. That wasn't one we talked about in our Met and Gala rundown here. Like, um, for those who like didn't see it or like forgot because it's been two weeks and like the content churn is just so crazy right now. Um, Riz Ahmed wore a, like, I guess, yeah, like a worker's suit inspired by 1880s immigrant laborers as his homage to the, to the people who built the Gilded Age, which very cool idea. And it looked great. Like, and that's also, it was, it's so on trend too. Like you're right. Like that's the high fashion version.
1: Yeah and I think he got some good attention for it and he also didn't look like every other man at that event. Yeah
0: and like just a very cool statement like on its own it was an appealing looking outfit as well like because a lot of times like statement fashion is hard to do like I remember like was it this the September one or two years ago that AOC wore the um not to like get into this, like the actual politics of it, but like her like message dress was not a visually appealing garment, like.
1: No, and it felt like it, writing it in red text on a dress didn't a feel white appropriate dress. to the event in the same yeah. way that having an artistic look that actually incorporates a lot of the the history of the event yeah. itself.
0: It's felt like being a better use of that exactly. Like it's being literal versus having a real concept, mm-hmm. and like nine times out of ten, a cohesive concept is going to be more impactful than just saying what you mean.
1: I agree, and I think Blake Lively is the best example of because yes, she looks amazing at every met she goes to, but really, what sticks is she's got a concept that yeah. they see through. There's a perfect through line.
0: She likes she loves telling stories through fashion like it doesn't always pay off but like I love that she just goes for it every time I like that I loved her outfit this time too like the the Statue of Liberty motif was very cool
1: yeah it was beautiful and I think her celestial bodies look was probably the oh best look yeah. I, can, I can think of
0: I always forget about um that entire Met Gala for some reason even though there were so many iconic looks from it like that I need. I might need to like go back into the slideshow on Vogue tonight and just like do like a little like swipe through. Um, speaking of the Met Gala and speaking of people who have been extremely literal with their messaging at the Met Gala, your third and final uh, topic is Cara Delevingne. Does the governor need to be called? Yes. Okay.
1: The governor needs to be called.
0: This game doesn't usually have correct answers, but I do think that this is. If if there were a correct answer, I think this would be the correct answer.
1: I feel confused. I don't know what to think. I don't know what she's trying to project. I don't know where her career is headed. I don't know what she's thinking.
0: I I, I don't have any of the answers to any of those questions. Like The reason I put her as a topic is because last night at the billboard music award she was a greased up freak just every uh, photo bombing everything like grabbing like megan the stallion and doja cats like cl- like dresses and like shaking them all around and stuff like her tongue out was in every cutaway i don't know what's going on there it's 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 very weird
1: it feels like bad behavior to get attention, it feels like she was a model, potentially an actress, and now she's just, she's sliding back into Julia Fox-esque wannabe influencer.
0: Okay, but Julia Fox is making it happen for her, I think though, like it's very stupid, but like, I feel like she's more successful about it because it's a little bit more like craven and interesting.
1: So maybe Cara Delavine is, is a, is a wannabe Julia Fox.
0: Oh, I, which is embarrassing because like Cara came first, like back, I, I was obsessed with Cara Delevingne back in the day, like Hmm. when, like the 2012, like 2013 peak when she was like actually modeling and like doing things you could like see the work, like her like output or whatever. Great. Like she was she was so cool and interesting and like that whole like indie sleaze hipster era or whatever she was like such a big part of that but like then now she like doesn't model anymore and she like acts a little bit and like I don't know
1: yeah and I don't I'm not as familiar with her over as you but yeah. like I just know that I've I've seen her drop off from public consciousness Except for these random outbursts of behavior.
0: And they are outbursts. Like, she was, like, partying with Eric Adams, like, the mayor of New York, a few weeks ago, too. Like, she does, like, weird shit. Just, like, she's just, like, she's a party girl, I guess, now. Which is fine, but, like, don't be, like, annoying on national TV.
1: Yeah, it feels like another moment where I want to say good for you if you can achieve that lifestyle, enjoy it. But again, don't do it on national TV no. and don't mess with Doja Cat's and like, business. If you're going to
0: be provocative, don't just like stick your tongue out, and be like, eh, like so crazy. That's like so basic. Yeah. It, that's cheesy. That's like, that's literally like back, like Facebook back in the day, like profile picture, like photo bombing behavior, like...
1: And it, fe- it feels like Disney star growing up.
0: Yeah, but she's like 35.
1: Yeah, it feels simplistic.
0: <laughs> yeah, not to be ageist, but like I, like when I'm 35, I'm not going to be sticking my tongue out at like the source awards. Like that's just not going to happen.
1: I'm a big believer in be the age you are. When you're 35, yeah. be 35. Live Don't in your to-
0: own skin.
1: Don't yeah. try to be 45.
0: Just be you, be Kara. <laughs> like- it is, it, is, uh, it is upsetting to see where she has gone. But um, once, we're offering a lot of well wishes today. Um,
1: I feel like none of the people you brought up are problematic enough that we need to wish them ill.
0: No, but um, friend of the pod, Carrie O'Donnell, did say today that Cara Delevingne needs an exorcism. And I do like sort of believe. I, as, seeing what I've seen, over the past week. And I, I do think that there is some sort of like Catholic intervention that needs to happen at some point here. So to Camilla,
1: we say, you go, girl, get that bread. To Kara, yeah. we say, get yourself to a priest.
0: Well, and you know what? We've said a lot of things about Camila Cabello on this podcast, but she is, you can see what she's doing. And you know why she's doing it. And you know, it's for, her own personal gain kara is doing nothing of the sort like just like random like blah, 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 blah. like not it's not a it's not hustler behavior
1: no and i, I is it her Or is it, does she have an agent or a publicist who needs to be stepping up? And probably the same question for Camila. Is she making these decisions or does she just have a great team behind her that she's choosing to listen to?
0: I think she has a great, Camila definitely has a great team behind her and Cara Delving just has, I'm sure has like friends who are like Mm. trying to make it happen for her. Get a team, that's the lesson of this podcast. Get a team to pop you up. All right, we gotta take a quick break and we will be right back. And we are back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Annalise, what are you rushing to the ER today?
1: This is not an emergency in that it is not recent, but Drew, it's something you and I have discussed and yeah. it's Lady Gaga's performance with Bradley Cooper at the 2019 Oscars, of the song "Shallow" or Sha-la-la-la-la-la,
0: Yes. Um. An emergency does not have to be recent for it to be an emergency, and this the 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 alarm has been ringing since the day this has happened. So I'm glad you you've taken it here to this space.
1: Yeah, and you know I have thoughts and opinions on this so yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give my background spiel and then i want to hear your response because i know you're someone who's steeped in gaga
0: or steep steep like oolong yes
1: so for those who aren't aware there was a a pretty iconic performance i would say at the oscars in 2019 of bradley cooper and lady gaga of their hit song shallow And people just went to went to town on Twitter saying that this they were so in love and so passionate on stage. They must be a couple. And I just thought the whole thing had just too much artificiality about it because I had seen a performance from the month before. I think it was January 2019, if I'm correct, where Bradley Cooper happened to be at Gaga's residency in Vegas, which Enigma,
0: we must call it. Call it by its name. Yep.
1: Call, call it by its name. I feel like Vegas residency should be another topic for another day. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Had Donny Osmond to that list and Celine yeah. as well. Um, but that particular performance, you can find it on YouTube. She actually called him up on the stage and he wasn't expecting. And they actually just sang the song without planning it to an audience. And it was pretty incredible to watch. Just two very talented people with a lot of chemistry. And I genuinely believe, here's my point, I genuinely believe that the Oscar producers saw that video and thought, ah, we are just going to recreate that video to fake an emotional moment here at the Oscars. That's my thought, what do you think?
0: I agree with all of those statements and sentiments with the additional statement and sentiment that I do believe the Enigma residency thing was absolutely planned as well. Really, because those are two theater kids who have always loved to stunt, and I do believe it was one hundred percent planned. I'm shook. I, I just, I, I, I'm steeped in her, and I don't think she does anything spontaneous anymore, to her detriment largely. But like, I, I, th- I mean, she was campaigning for that Oscar so hard, and she knew that was going to get clicks. I want to talk about this Enigma performance though, because I rewatched both of these today in preparation for the episode. I had not seen that Enigma one since it happened. I can see why you think it's so spontaneous. I'll just put it, put it that I'm, way. I'm like, feeling
1: naive right now because you, someone who actually works in the industry who, telling me that it was probably planned, I believe you. But I so, also genuinely thought that that was just a moment between two people that I oh, watched.
0: It's a well- acted, well-calibrated moment for sure. But those are two people who are like gunning hard for an Oscar. Like when you campaign for an Oscar, everything you do is planned out. Like you don't walk to CVS unless like it's planned out.
1: Hmm. Wow. This is shaping a lot because now I'm thinking, like if I'm thinking about all of the work that she put into that that Oscar season and then thinking about how unsuccessful she was with House of Gucci.
0: And she tried twice as hard for House of Gucci. Like she did all those. I mean, we've talked about it so much on this podcast, but like all the stuff she did about like Patrizia Reggiani sent a swarm of flies after me. Like I talked in this accent for six months. Like, I think this woman's going to come kill me. Like I, I I was Patrizia, like, and the accent was so bad too, like-
1: Well, so maybe that is a victory for Gaga because that moment felt true to me at Enigma, me a naive observer in the industry, and I'm still thinking about it three years later in a way that I haven't thought about House of Gucci since I watched it.
0: Well, it is so impactful, that Enigma performance, because like, you know, or planned, unplanned aside, it is... I I just forgot about the aesthetics of the enigma era like Gaga and that like teal like choppy 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 wig and she's in a black t-shirt she pants to him in the audience he's there in like a trucker hat and like a gray t- he looks like a tourist which is why another reason why I think it's like sort of intentional because he looks so like conspicuously inconspicuous hmm and it's like Jackson main drag.
1: Yeah. I feel like he was channeling that look though, that entire year as yeah. a part of him gunning for it. And he also wasn't appearing anywhere with his, I forget if it was his girlfriend or wife. At the it was time. Uh,
0: back when he was dating arena. Shake. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Like he was never appearing with her in public, which is a trick that I know pairs figure skaters use to appear more at one with their partner. They don't oh appear with their actual, actual girlfriend or boyfriend. They in public because they just want the public to see them with their skating partner.
0: That is so, they, so funny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's true. It's absolutely true. I what? was pretty obsessed with the uh, pairs skaters from Canada who won the twenty eighteen Olympics. Yeah,
0: T- what's Tessa something? Tessa right? and
1: Scott. Yeah, yeah. Their their Moulin Rouge long long routine still hits. Worth rewatching. So I think if if. Bradley and God taking a play out of that book, I respect it, and I believe
0: it. That those are two people who love um, theatrical source material. If you catch my drift here, and I think that like that 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 is that is so funny. I'd never heard that before, and that makes that that has cracked the code for me. Like I absolutely believe that this was planned. Now, (laughs) too, wow,
1: mine is so funny my own mind included yeah but I I, yeah go ahead
0: well do you actually like the quality of the Enigma performance
1: I like the quality of it in that the quality feels real for an impromptu performance so
0: that that certainly feels true like if and that's what I think is the wrinkle in my theory because if it was truly unplanned or no, if it was truly planned, I'm sorry, I think it would sound a lot better. Because they do sound like two people who are like, just like, like doing karaoke at the last minute, basically.
1: Hmm. I mean, but it's there be variations to planned, like maybe yeah. she said, hey, I think we should do this. And I'll make sure someone's getting a good video, but they didn't rehearse it ahead of time. Like, I don't think the staging was as rehearsed as it could have been. I think there were moments where their positioning wasn't correct. So I think I think maybe the concept was planned but not the actual intricacies of that. Okay.
0: Before. See, that's the perfect middle ground. I I get I can get behind that absolutely. It is so cute though how like kind of like giggly and nervous they are around each other. Like that was the big thing. Like they were they had such good chemistry together both like on screen and off screen. Like it uh I love that movie. I know it's not like cool to love that movie, but it's it's so good. Like
1: I like that movie too. And like going back to what we were saying, I like the fact that two just celebrities, superstars of our generation made that movie in the same way that Judy Garland made that movie in the mm-hmm. 50s, Barbara Streisand movie made that movie in the 70s, and now Gaga is like in that lineage. Yeah. Like, I just love that that is a truth and I'm looking forward to seeing another verse that's created in 30 years.
0: Like, you can take the movie aside, like, as an act of myth-making, like, self-mythology. It's... It's bold. And, like, I feel like if it hadn't worked, it would have been a catastrophe. Like, we're kind of seeing that right now with, um, like, Beanie Feldstein going on Broadway and apparently flopping harder than anyone that has ever flopped in funny girl um you talk about
1: someone getting a rough name on twitter
0: you gotta you you know that's a hard show because it's literally built for barbara and you can't just like who can just do barbara besides leah michelle
1: giggling (laughs) somewhere in a corner
0: yeah like her like her hexes and incantations worked um and she's had a big month this month too between did you watch the spring awakening documentary on hbo
1: i have not yet it's on my list
0: i haven't either because i'm not like super familiar with that show which is like not cool not good to say out loud but like the the press around i'm not gonna repeat it on mic because a lot of it is borderline unprintable i would say but it's uh her press cycle for this has been so crazy. <laughs> like I, she feels emboldened by someone else's failure to like reclaim the spotlight now. And I think that's really wonderful for her. Um, what do you think about Shallow as a song?
1: I think it completely served the purpose that it needed to serve. And I think it so perfectly shows off what Gaga does best. And I think what I find more interesting about Gaga is not her avant-garde transgressive electronic dance music self. Like what I find more interesting about her and what makes her more iconic is just her true vocal talent and her ability to emote. So the song is absolutely perfect for her. And I think Bradley Cooper completely understood the assignment in that. Like his component of the song is just not to distract from her, which I don't think he does.
0: No, def- but he also like, um, he brings it in well. Mm-hmm. Like he's not really a singer, but like he's perfectly competent. And like, you know who that guy is when he's singing. Like not a great singer, but like a good like singing actor.
1: And it feels correct to many popular country music singers who are yeah
0: no he sounds like perfectly vocally capable in that crew of people and like i mean he's the better performance in that movie with love to gaga is bradley cooper's performance like he's awesome in that movie and like the singing's not as like i mean that's not why you cast like you don't cast gaga if you're trying to be like the better singer of the two of them but like
1: yeah. It He's was very they found an actor who could sing and a singer who could act. Yeah. And they paired them together.
0: And she's really good, but like shallow is, I mean, I remember like, and I, 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 I don't want to speak for the gay community here, but I will in this moment, the day the shallow trailer dropped and she was doing the bridge with that big, like the, the riff, I'm not going to do it on this on mic because I'm going to spike my levels, but like People were, um, like, one of the most instantly iconic things ever. Like, I I don't want to be hyperbolic, but, like, that riff, immediately, everyone was like, oh, like, this is gonna, this is gonna be it. Like, even if this movie sucks, like, we're gonna have this moment, and it's gonna be good. And then the rest, I like the rest of the song a lot, like.
1: And I think we may not be, still be watching the movie in 30 years, unless it's just because people want to go see Old School Gaga on the same way that we want to watch old school Judy Garland. Yeah. But I do think we will still love hearing that song come on at the occasional karaoke bar.
0: Oh, I mean, right? I, I did karaoke now. to it a month and a half ago. Like it's, I think that the song is going to live on so much more than the movie is going to live on.
1: Absolutely. And I think when we're 35 year olds acting like 35 year olds, we're still going to be wanting to karaoke to that song.
0: Oh yeah. Because it's also like not a, uh, it's like an easy, not easy, but like it's actually a pretty easy song to sing. Like it's the range sounds crazy, but like it's mostly shouting, which makes it a perfect karaoke song because karaoke is mostly shouting. Um, I, let's get to the refined performance of it all though. Your, your, the emergency you brought in was the Oscars performance specifically.
1: Yes. Which
0: was obviously a much more rehearsed event. What didn't work about it for you?
1: For me, and perhaps it's, I think my thoughts and opinions about it have changed in recent years because I have felt more closely the Oscars trying to create an emotional moment just Mm -hmm. desperately. And I think like, so I was it 2011 that Glenn Close had that comedy bit where she was, where she do you remember where she got up and danced to debut and she was oh oh 20 that was
0: 2021
1: 2021 and yeah. she knew all these facts about go go music in the DMV area and then it came out later that it was all scripted yeah
0: no shit <laughs> like I'm from the DMV DMV area and I do not know who Debut or what Debut is like no, yeah I'm... and
1: and I think that was. Year, it might've been the same year that they saved the best actor award for last because they thought it was going to be Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And it was actually Anthony Hopkins who wasn't there. And it was just the most anticlimactic ending possible. Yeah. So that to me is, okay, You're they're just trying so hard to just generate some sort of moment. And then I feel like that is really came to a head with the Will Smith slap of this year where there actually was, an emotional true moment
0: yeah like something that we've never seen happen on live tv before like really angry and raw yeah like that's a genuine moment
1: that to me has cast a pallor on all the previous moments that just and they feel more artificial to me looking back
0: yeah and like you know we're not definitely not like condoning hitting people but like even think about like the moonlight la la land fiasco that was such a spontaneous moment that like both kind of took away from someone else's victory, but also was like such a su- like some how can this happen? like shocking. It was like the underdog beating the favorite too, which is, um, you know, a narrative people really like. But like yeah, these like designed to be viral moments don't necessarily hit the same.
1: Yeah, and it feels like like me as a viewer, I feel like they're actively trying to manipulate me, which they are. Yeah. And it clearly worked for the Enigma tour because I was fully bought into that moment.
0: And like, I feel like if you hadn't seen the Enigma tour and known that like they were going to do this again, the Oscars moment probably works pretty well too. Because they do have, like, as we said, such good chemistry. Like they can sell this like tender fondness, like, this like deep like friendship um and I do believe it was obviously just friendship because like I don't all these rumors that were like oh like they're so in love with each other I'm like that is crazy on many levels not least of which like this is obviously like campaigning like they're like trying to yeah like the figure skater theory I think really just like drives it all home like that's that's that that is the thing that I think cracks this whole thing open
1: I also think I don't have a ton of faith in Bradley Cooper I lump him with the Jake Gyllenhaal's and the Leo DiCaprio's of men in their 40s who are still dating a lot of 24 year old models
0: yeah oh
1: yeah that that never felt true to me from him
0: no, he he's, um, like, they literally had like, artist crushes on each other. Like, that's what it was. Like, I think they were two, like, kindred souls who found each other at such a right time and, like, trauma bonded making this movie where both of them are, like, really putting it on the line. Like, I remember um, in the press cycle leading up to the release of the movie, Gaga told this and or anecdote about how Bradley went up to her and like wiped off her makeup (laughs) like did you read this no oh my god okay she tells a story about how he she was like getting ready in her trailer and he goes up to her and essentially is like I just want to take another look at you and like starts like wiping down her face her like foundation and I'm like that's not romantic behavior that is like the artist is at work behavior
1: yeah and they seem like two people who really love thinking and talking and embodying their art their craft capital a capital c art and craft art
0: pop even
1: yes like and i i think that degree of self-importance Gets you an Oscar for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think reads differently as a viewer on the screen in that type of a setting.
0: It's definitely not the Oscar either of them necessarily wanted. I think because like she was gunning for actors so hard, and he wanted director that year and didn't even get nominated, which was like a fa- failure on several counts. Like he, that movie is a very well directed movie, but like. I'm glad that they won for the song that they won for because so often the song, the best original song is not iconic in any way whatsoever. Like the, the Billy Eilish Bond theme song, which is like perfectly fine, that won this year, not iconic. And like no one associates it with, I mean, even though it's the theme song for a movie, we don't like, it's not like the movie, you know, like Shallow is the movie. My Heart Will Go On is the movie.
1: Oh, but have you seen The Bodyguard?
0: Yeah, I've seen The Bodyguard. No, 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 but that's the, mo- that's the movie too. But that wasn't an original song, though.
1: That's true. That's true. That's yeah. just Holly Parton doing her work. I don't know, because Shallow, would it, would Shallow have become the song that it did if it didn't have the movie behind it?
0: No, for sure no.
1: And the movie would not be anything without the song.
0: I agree with that too like you need like yeah no that movie doesn't work at all if Shallow is not what it is because you have to sell this idea that this woman is a generational undiscovered vocalist and songwriter and Shallow is a powerhouse showcase for someone's voice and also like a a very well-written pop song so if like the music's not good it doesn't sell like the central conceit in that a star is born.
1: True. True. Perhaps this gets into a larger question of what should the best song category be about? Because I would argue that like the history associated with the James Bond theme songs gives more weight to any any nominee from that particular, like I am fully on board with just about every one of the theme songs that's come out with the Daniel Craig
0: series of I I like most of them I think Skyfall is like a top five theme for me um and like the Bond movies are my favorite movie franchise by far so like I the songs are very 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 near and dear to me I don't think like the writings on the wall from Spectre the Sam Smith one and Billy's both won the Oscar neither of which I would argue are like even top 10 Bond theme songs. Like when you go back into like, you know, stuff like A View from a Kill by Duran Duran or like Tina Turner, Golden Eye, or like even the Madonna one, like Die Another Day, I think is so cool. And those two are just kind of like sleepy. Like it's just orchestral strings and like moody balladry, which is tasteful, but not interesting.
1: Yeah. I think they they both felt appropriate to those films which were also slight divergences from oh yeah the standard the standard well, bond
0: like I think it's really easy to forget when you like the Daniel Craig era is so somber and like gritty 2000 like it's very like dark nighty almost even though Casino Royale came before that but like a very like gritty reimagining of like these like movies that like, I'm sure if someone watched a Daniel Craig movie who had never seen one of the old ones and went back and watched, like, a Roger Moore one, they would be like, oh, it's like watching Austin Powers. Like...
1: Yeah, Moonraker has not aged well.
0: No. I mean, like, a lot of... They're just... They're so campy, but they're fun. And the, the theme mm-hmm. songs for those were fun. In a way... Like, Skyfall's fun, I think. But also, like, Adele just, like, sells the shit out of it. So. That's true.
1: That's true. And I think in terms of the song category itself, it's so dependent on the year because it does feel like we've had a lot of movie musicals where they just write yeah. a new song for a side character to make sure that they get a nominee.
0: Or it's the um, the like interchangeable Let It Go from whatever Disney project is out this year, which is what happened. Like, I mean, every, every single one of those movies like has gotten nominated for song since Let It Go, basically.
1: Yeah, it feels like a category that there's just a couple of expected nominees every year. So something like Shallow, where it's, like you mentioned, just a really well-written pop song with some powerhouse vocals from an icon in creation. Yeah. That to me is fresh.
0: But people also don't write songs for movies anymore, which is kind of why like Gaga do, well, Gaga, this is good timing because Gaga's Top Gun theme song just came out and it's I don't care for it even a little bit, but the movie is getting rave reviews, like is gonna be a surefire hit. And I think she's gonna get nominated again for it for for song for a movie for a song that's very like soundtrack in the way that like Take My Breath Away was for the original Top Gun.
1: Yeah, or Highway to the Danger Zone. Yeah. I still want to listen to that.
0: No, two incredible pop songs. Like, yeah. and Hold My Hands, not that, but like people love her so much. She's almost like critic proof at this point. Yeah.
1: I think she's making good moves. I think, like we were mentioning, she has a vision for herself. She is place, creating an icon around yeah. herself and she's doing a beautiful job at it.
0: Oh, better than anyone's done since Madonna. Like,
1: absolutely yeah absolutely. or no
0: beyond i mean beyonce, what am i talking about beyonce and rihanna have done incredible jobs of myth making
1: agree beyonce
0: more so but like
1: i feel like though gaga is going for a different type of icon yes for sure she like and again to me what's more interesting about her is the fact that she's grounded in this nyu tish training and this lee strasberg training and she she has this deep understanding of all of these classic singers and I mean opposite enigma she was basically just singing jazz standards. Yeah. And like when she brought out Liza Minnelli she was uniquely qualified to do that at this year's Oscars no. because she's so aware of the history of these artists these and show business itself.
0: That's a so thing. She
1: feels like a different level of icon.
0: You're 100% correct. Like people love to joke around about her like fondness for like these like classic entertainers and just like trotting them out at all these public performances as like elder abuse like jokey 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 obviously saying that but like she has such a clear love and respect for those entertainers and like even when she's doing stuff like just dance like she's really like channeling that spirit of entertainer in a way that like no one else really is it's very like, it's cool
1: I bet she has just in her knowledge of show business writ large you yeah. could just ask her who played any given role in any given production who recorded any given version of any given song and she just knows it yeah and I think that that level of knowledge and respect that she has for other people absolutely comes through everything that she does
0: no in like even if I don't like the Top Gun song on its own, like musical merits, it's so successful at what it's trying to do. Like she wrote a big sweeping love song for a movie about shirtless men flying planes. She fulfilled the brief. Even if I like, I don't like her ballads that much. She fulfilled the brief. And Absolutely. that's, and she almost always does.
1: Yeah. And I can't wait to see Tom Cruise playing some volleyball with that song playing in the background. I'm thrilled. I
0: hope she has a cameo as like someone in the bleachers being like, woo! <laughs> like, I, would love, I would love that for, for everyone involved. Um, we do have to move on to our final segment. Um, we're going to play Tear the Community Apart. So the rules are simple. I've picked two songs, and you are going to tell me which one is better easy.
1: Will you be playing the songs or are we just saying? The no,
0: name? I think, I think you're going to know these songs. We've okay. mentioned both of these artists within the past 10 minutes. Okay. So these two songs were number one hits in the year 1986. They are Titanic classics. These, these women, and they are women, Titanic industry figures who at one point were tied for the most number one hits by a female artist in Billboard history, a record that has since been broken by Mariah Carey. But these two, I mean, these two dance pop classics from 1986, which song is better? Whitney Houston, How Will I Know? or Madonna's Open Your Heart?
1: This is a worthy competition. Have to go with Whitney. Okay. I think that How Will I Know has all of the best components of a 1986 dance pop number, but it has a level of depth with those lyrics. How Will I Know? That makes it that I'm still thinking about it and dancing to it regularly out in a way that I'm not for the Madonna song.
0: Yeah. I think that I, 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 I can get behind that reasoning 100%. I think this would be close to a true tie for me but i do think like the cultural impact of how well i know is just like it's 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 hard to deny yeah it's hard to deny
1: and it feel like that song to me feels similar to dancing on my own the classic robin where yeah.
0: it's,
1: it's you're dancing it out but there there's something underneath it
0: no there the the two way Assault of Whitney doing. How will I know when I want to dance with someone, somebody like almost back to back? Versus Robin doing. Call me, or call me by your name. Call your girlfriend and dancing on my own back to back. That's like that is the, that is a great parallel. Like,
1: and yeah, I I would be. I feel like you're. It's absolutely just reaching for that girl dancing. And she's and she's has a lot of thoughts in her mind about who she's thinking about, but she's just dancing
0: mm-hmm.
1: in a way that it's 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 a step above just a dance song.
0: Yeah, I, I, I understand why Whitney's ballads are so canonized because they are mostly excellent and like the, the technical proficiency like I mean no one's I don't think anyone except maybe Mariah is even on that vocal level like no one in history but her dance songs are so much better than the ballad because like you're getting the vocals but you're getting a lot more like energy and like joy or like I mean it just she's so she's such a good um singer who can act through song
1: Yes, absolutely. Perhaps not actually act because as we've discussed, the bodyguard she's not she's not
0: terrible in the bodyguard. Like that the 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 plot and the writing of the movie are what really like makes that movie like like. Yeah. But she's good in Cinderella.
1: She is. That that feels like a role that demanded quite a bit less.
0: Oh, no, yeah. I mean it is it's it's a cameo and she gets to sing Impossible, which is incredible, but like that's um yeah I guess you're right it's not challenging but like she's fun like that's more than most people can say um
1: that's true I love Whitney my one thing I will say against Whitney is I do prefer Dolly Parton's version of I will always love oh
0: I agree I agree but that like the Whitney version is like undeniable but the Dolly version is like I just like the like kind of sweet sadness that like
1: it feels more true to the song yeah I have one other childhood memory to share which is I have a strong memory of my dad saying you've never seen Whitney Houston sing the national anthem and I remember he sat me down and pulled it up on YouTube because he was like this is the most beautiful thing I think I've ever heard so he's clearly still thinking about it decades later
0: yeah it's I mean it's it's an enduring topic of fascination in our culture like I remember in an early 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 episode of this podcast we tried calling the governor on the national anthem just like conceptually um, and movie. Whitney's Whitney's was the only version that did not uh, get the governor called on it the the only exception
1: i stand by that i can't yeah. think of another one off the top of my head it's just
0: it's too iconic she like really just ruined it for everyone else um
1: except i will say there was a great moment when i think it was Beyonce who was asked to sing the national anthem at obama's first inauguration
0: yes I yes think. yeah and
1: the story was if I, I think I'm getting this correct the story was I think she had a delayed flight and she didn't get a chance to rehearse in the actual space with the orchestra so I think she lip synced
0: yeah used that, I think that's but, um that's pretty common for outdoor live performances
1: I yes and I think people gave her a lot of flack for it and she did a press conference a few days later explaining all these circumstances. And so she just sang it live a cappella in yeah. front of the press conference. And then at the end, she said, Any questions? Any
0: questions.
1: And I think that is an iconic moment that makes me want to keep around the National Anthem.
0: No, I, because like it can be used as a weapon, essentially, <laughs> like a vocal weapon. And yes, I I, I can get behind that sentiment. Um, I do have one last question for you, and it can be yes or no. Just simply yes or no will suffice. Um, Did the glee version of how will I know change your life? No. Okay. So this is the difference. Annalise is not mentally ill and I am mentally ill. And with that, um, I do think we have to wrap up our episode. Thank you so much for being here. I I could talk about Gaga with you and just like, I mean, everything we talked about today, because this was like a, this was an episode steeped in history. Like we could have gone for hours and I'm, I'm very happy that like you brought the lexicon with you today, so.
1: Um, I'm glad that I finally have an output for my usually useless knowledge. So this is this has been a real treat for well, me. Well this is,
0: bring me your tired, your sick, your useless. <laughs> like this is where we are here. This is your home, you found home. Um, if you would like to be found on social media, Where can you be found?
1: Only on Instagram at Lacey Escher.
0: Excellent. Um, You can find me on Twitter at FKA Pigs with a Z, on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Zs, and follow at Crisis Twink Pod on Twitter and Instagram for direct updates and uh, mostly TikToks that I like to post. So um, with that, um, until next week. Bye, everyone.